everybody. My name is Chris Tenalia with Valiant Group. Um, this is the third episode of Valiant Podcast, and I'm here with Dennis Caldwell from Dennis Caldwell Architects. Uh, Dennis is a premier architect in the cannabis industry, as well as multiple other industries. He does just regular uh, commercial construction, residential construction, as well as schools. Um, we work with him on multiple projects throughout the state and throughout the country. He's registered multiple states, and I'll let him elaborate on that. Dennis, would you like to uh, elaborate on your Sure. Thanks background? for the uh, introduction, Chris. Appreciate you guys uh, coming in today. I'd say uh, having having you guys in our office is pretty exciting here to do this podcast first time. So, um, but yeah, our firm is uh, located in Foxborough, Massachusetts. So we cover all of New England and the you know rest of the United States. We've got projects kind of running from here to Florida to California, Nashville, and everywhere in between. So it's been pretty exciting. Um, you know, with, with both our primary practice and then also the, the focus on cannabis as well. So um, on, that, on that piece, we're very excited to be working with you guys on uh, multiple projects here. Fantastic. How many states are you registered in? Uh, that's a good question. It used to be, I would say, um, I think we're at a point where we're, we're more than 50%. So I think we're at like 30, 35 states or so. Um, we have a beautiful wall over here that you were teasing me about earlier with all the different um, uh, registrations. So. Um, at this point, it's easier to say the states we're not registered in, so we're getting there. That's pretty awesome. So how many f- square feet of cultivation have you done, just designed? Designed? Uh, cultivation design, we're, last I checked, we were hovering around 3.2 million square feet uh, all around the, the nation, um, and uh, that's where we're at right now. Excellent. So basically the reason why we wanted to have you on the podcast was we're in the construction industry we're also consultants and we we're all over the place so people come up to us they ask us what the first step is mm-hmm. and the first step is always picking your building and then second step going to the town and everything else but they need to pick an architect right away that's the first thing that they have to do to make sure that the building works for the particular uh, cannabis construction that they want to do whether it be cultivation or dispensaries can you kind of give us a background on what type of building they should be looking for and why would they choose you as opposed to another architect? Yeah, I mean, it's a two-part question, but I think the, the site selection, which is what you're referring to, and then obviously the, uh, the designer selections are two really important processes for a successful uh, project. So, um, you know, the, the ideal selfishly building, uh, selfishly the ideal building architecturally speaking would obviously be either a... Uh, for cultivation purposes, brand new, steel package, clean. We can kind of do whatever we need to do. Clear span, no columns, um, great height. Um, that's that's a great building. Uh, additionally, if we want to go down that path too, you could say a vacant lot because then we could build whatever we need to do. Um, you know, in different parts of the country, that's more viable and an easier option. Obviously, up in New England, um, property values, land is, is very expensive. So the dirt you buy is extremely expensive before you even put a building on it. So. We are retrofitting a lot of buildings and different styles of buildings in New England. Um, the fun part about our area, our neck of the woods, is it's older. We've been here a lot longer. So we've been um, working in buildings that are over 100 years old and, and you know, things that are you know, in, built in the 60s. So I would say if you can find a building that still has those characteristics, um, clean. I love it if it doesn't have any wood or organic material in there. It's great if it's made of steel, concrete. Um, but we can work with most any type of building. Um, heights are important. I always love to see a, if you can give me a 12 or 14 foot ceiling, I'm really happy I can, I can accomplish a lot of things in there. What's the particular reason for that? Um, just generally the, the height of the canopy. So I think if you can get in that realm, you're able to, to grow and allow, you know, whatever different master, you know, whoever your cultivator is, it's really helpful to give them that flexibility. So 
as an architect and as a you know a contractor, we're going to try and provide spaces that really work well um, for the cultivators, for the you know the extraction artists, for everyone that's actually growing and producing the plants and, and material in there. Obviously, since we leave at some point, we need to provide a space that's really flexible, performs well, and offers them that opportunity to do what they need to do. Okay, to that aspect, mm -hmm. when you're talking about the, the different buildings you're looking at, it's going to be an awkward question for you, but mm -hmm. we've had the scenario come back and forth and we're trying to recommend different architects for people, and we've had an overwhelming response of they just draw lines. What's the difference between you as an architect and somebody else that you're you're basically space fitting a, a building yeah well why would they go from one architect to another um obviously we know the reason because we're the, the general contractors mm -hmm. and we work with you and we understand it but it's difficult trying not to sell you uh, until you get there but people they say well an architect's an architect they're they measure the lines it's the same thing why would it what's the difference yeah, no, it's a, it's a fair question because when you look at architecture in, in the cannabis sector, a lot of people will, will understand that, you know, the, the big important piece is, is also mechanical, electrical, plumbing, and fire protection. So that selection of an engineer is critical. Um, the first uh, kind of pieces of the puzzle that get laid down, um, the road work that kind of sets everything up really well would obviously be the architectural design. Um, I think in, in this industry, I do find that there are um, architects that don't have the experience and are really excited to get into the sector because it's it's a fun one I'll admit it's it's something that I never really expected to do in my career um, and now we're here and we're doing it but the thing that I think is a big separator for our company um, and, and I've got a great practice so I know it's it's me you're talking to but I have a team of um, phenomenal designers project managers project architects and interior designers that make me look really good so the fact of the matter is, within those 3.2 million square feet or so, and, and, and growing, no pun intended, um, we've we've worked on a, a vast multitude of different styles of grows. Um, you know, automation, uh, traditional grow, two tier, single tier, um, and we've seen it all. Just as we talked about with different buildings and site selection, you're going to see a lot of different varieties. So, the the true part of that is um, everybody starts at a point and kind of grows their practice and understands more and more as you go. Now. We've seen and made mistakes and, and kind of watched those mistakes. We've come in and even fixed other people's mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really valuable piece for us. Um, so in amongst all that experience, it's not just, uh, you know, an architect who really just wants to draw the lines on the paper, as you say. And I'm sure it's a little more sophisticated than that, but I, I totally understand the, the question. Um, I think the big piece of it for us is we're able to provide a design that's going to flow really well. Um, we understand the processes. Um, we understand that each uh, grower or each um, entity, whoever you would like to call them, is going to have a different kind of uh, style or approach. Mm -hmm. uh, the nice part about that is since we've seen so many different styles and approaches, we've been able to kind of morph together our own little bit of what we think is a flavor, but then roll that into what they want to, you know, actually accomplish. Understood. Yeah. So just building upon that when we're talking, when it comes to not trying to tell just Dennis Caldwell architects just in general, but the work that we've done with you, it seems like some of the other architects we work with are a little bit more prideful when it comes to changing their work or changing things on the fly. Um, tell us about change orders. So obviously change orders in the construction industry is what can either make or break a project. Mm -hmm. um, one, how do those happen? Why do they happen? And then how did your process with us, the last couple of projects we've done with you, the change orders have been very minimal. Mm -hmm. And tell us why that happens. 
Yeah, I think I think the style in which we do have been delivering the product together, and the product is the the end product, the building. So, um, and and how the people get to use it and, and interface within it. So the design build process that we've been implementing with Valiant um, provides the client um, a lot of input during the process. But the input isn't just from myself on the design team or from our mechanical electrical plumbing engineer or just from the GC. Everybody's together and involved in it at the same time. So what we end up doing is instead of having change orders that occur late in the game, we've discussed a lot of these items and a lot of these pieces so that we kind of avoid that. And then when we do have changes to the construction, which you could probably get into a little more, they're more changed to the design or changed to the parameters versus a huge change order where we're redrawing, redesigning, and you're repricing, et cetera. So we've been able to mitigate a lot of those losses in time and money for the clients doing it that way. Yeah, so what we found out with you and your team is it's a lot easier to move a line on a piece of paper than it is to move a wall. Right. Um, so we selected an architect, uh, hopefully it's you. I hope so. Tell us about a story or something that you did where you had to do some site selection, where maybe the client says, hey, I have three or four sites, mm. can you help me out with it? Is that the best way to go about it? Uh, it can be, yeah. Some some clients obviously have a pretty determined, um, you know, track, or they've been in a certain overlay district, and they're pretty, you know, kind of pigeoned into or cornered into a spot rather. Um, other clients, uh, actually, a great example. A couple weeks ago, we went out with a client. We did site selection with them, so uh, they were at the early stages of uh, selecting the actual site they wanted to be in, also determining lease agreements, etc. Uh, so we went out and looked at three different sites in one day. So they hired us to come out. We met with them at the first site, toured it. Uh, we were able to ask a bunch of different questions that, from their perspective, they probably wouldn't have had any idea to ask. And, and the great part about this client is they said, yeah, we need the help and we want the help. So they were able to kind of use us as, um, I say, rent-a-brain, so to speak. But it's a great way to take the tools that we have and the different experiences that we've already um, gone through, you know, positives and negatives, to apply those uh, to the different site selection. What are some of the questions that they, that they ask? Just because, again, people getting into this, they might not know. Yeah, so a lot of the, the questions that arise about um, the individual sites are going to be regarding the same stuff we kind of talked about a little bit earlier or touched on is just um, heights, you know, heights of the interior space, materiality, what the actual building's constructed of. Adjacencies are huge. You know, we, we had one of the sites the other day where, you know, it was pretty cool. It looked pretty good. But the issue is they had people, you know, tenants above and tenants below. Um, you start to get into the mechanical piece of it and you go, well, how are we going to exhaust any of this? We can't cut through. Yep. Yeah, we can't cut through anybody above us. Um, and that site really didn't make a lot of sense for that purpose. Um, some of the other things, too, is uh, security is a huge concern. Um, if you're sharing a space, like, for instance, in, in this one I'm describing, you've got to move product in and out. And if you're using a shared loading dock, that's not always the most viable space. Um, as we looked at the three different pieces or the three different spaces that we were um, analyzing, we ended up going with a single freestanding uh, metal space frame building, beautiful concrete floor. Uh, it actually had its own roll-up door, loading dock. It had some small offices up front, and it was out on its own in an industrial park. So things that are great about that is your neighbors are fellow industrial um, businesses. They're not residences. Um, and as we know, residences, it's a hot-button topic. Uh, if you're in the middle of uh, yeah, schools, <laughs> usually they're, they're pushed away from those. But um, those are going to inherently create issues as you go through your, you know, your process with the different boards uh, that you've got to go through on the town level. So um, I, I, like, I like being in some sort of industrial space where your neighbors are typically going to be doing similar, you know, either agricultural or production, manufacturing, et cetera. So um, those are some of the questions that are asked. Um, 
you know, locations now as far as, you know, transportation in an easy off the highway, that's, that's always great for not only uh, moving product, but also attracting talent. So those mm -hmm. are things that we're looking at as well. For sure. So when the, building off that, where you're saying you wanted to pick the industrial park, standalone building, mm -hmm. the word mitigation comes into play a lot. Yeah. Have you seen any of the new technology that's out there that helps out with the mitigation um, for either mold, odor, uh, microbials, mm -hmm. different types of things like that. So we've always talked about, we, we take pride in the products that we use. Mm -hmm. we, we've made our mistakes before. We've also learned from other people's mistakes and we know which products prevent mold and which products don't. Mm -hmm. So is there any other new technologies that you've seen that you're trying to implement in some of your new projects? Yeah. So some of the, some of the, I mean, with, with the COVID pandemic uh, issues, a lot of the, the um, products that were actually specifying or using um, are, are getting crossed over into those sectors too to protect uh, offices as, as well. So uh, the Blue Zone unit um, from Agrify we've been we've been utilizing and implementing and, and specifying in different spaces as well. Um, just the other day we had a, a board meeting, um, you know, planning board and odor mitigation was a huge concern. This, this location happened to be um, bordering um, a residential area and ball fields, et cetera. So there was some real concern from the community. Um, part of the odor mitigation plan was not just to, um, you know, the typical charcoal filters where you exhaust the fumes out of the building. Um, in our case, we were actually trying to capture them inside um, and actually kill them on a molecular level. So uh, in order to do that, we were using a whole uh, Agrify system. We had VFUs, uh, so that contained them. Uh, it was a new tight building. We we're going to contain the, the odors from leaking out, um, you know, versus an older building that may have some infiltration issues. And then additionally, we're using the uh, Blue Zone units within uh, to capture and, and kill with the UVC rays, um, as well as um, the different catalysts that, that kind of dispose of the, the odors on a molecular level like we're talking about. So everything you just said just makes it seem really complicated to be to Sorry. do your job, which is perfectly fine. And that's yeah. what we're trying to get across is that an architect is not just an architect. You need someone who has the experience and that has done three million square feet of, of cultivation throughout the country. Mm -hmm. So now we're gonna move on to a different sector, which is the dispensaries. Um, so we know you grow your product and then you're gonna either wholesale it or you're gonna sell it to your own dispensary. But how important is it for the design of the dispensary? You've obviously designed some really nice facilities and some really basic facilities. Mm -hmm. Is Does it matter now that, I mean, we've obviously heard some people talk about some weird things saying it's almost like a, a liquor store. Does it matter what the design looks like? Is it basic or? I think I think the trend is going to move towards more of a user experience within the retail you know spaces. I think right now I agree. Getting open is probably the most important piece. Um, you know, and I think as people start to have more opportunities in different places and selections, uh, you know, places to go. You know, if you're driving 15 minutes away because that's the only one close to you, that's probably where you're going to go. Now, as you start to have six to eight selections or different locations within that 15 minute area, you're gonna wanna have some sort of offering or a reason that brings people back and, and allows them to be connected with the space. So a lot of our clients right now are either, if they're existing, they're updating and trying to make um, you know, better user spaces, exciting spaces to be in, places that are you know, not only get you in and get you out quickly so you have that great um, you know, experience and, and don't have to be waiting a long line, waiting in a long line or anything like that. But also you want to actually create 
um, some sort of connection, whether it's branding or some sort of um, different little experience that occurs inside the space as well. Speaking of in and out really quickly, the one mm-hmm. of the really exciting ones that we're going to be working on together is uh, yeah. the new drive-through. Mm-hmm. Um, I have yet to see a drive-through that actually works for cannabis. Yeah. Um, but it seems like it's going to be really quickly, really quick to get people through. Is mm-hmm. there anything that, um, in particular, with that design that we're doing, that'll uh, make it so it's faster? Than yeah. So I mean, you know, in in light of the COVID era, actually, it's it's a pretty interesting design. I'm I'm excited about it. It's it's different from the others in the sense that you actually don't have to get out of your car. Um, so it's very much like you said, drive through. Um, we're going to have bud tenders that will meet and greet you kind of outside at your car with iPads get your order. We'll have different lines, whether it's express or, or if you're just trying to decide what you want there. Um, and then as you pull in, you're going to actually be in case. So imagine you're going in for your car wash, you hit the button, you pay, you do what you need to do, you pull into the car wash. Now, instead of getting your car washed, you're going to have a butt tender come out and actually give, you product. give yep. you product. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I think are really great about that. Um, not just for the convenience factor, but I also think it's really great for people that you know, marijuana right now is not, it's still a little bit taboo. So getting people to hop out of their car, get in line, show ID, walk in front of what they consider maybe their neighbors or their peer groups, I think it's going to allow a lot of people that may be a little bit shyer about it, an opportunity to kind of be able to be a little bit quieter, a little more private. So I think there's a great piece on that as well. And I think that's going to pull more um, clientele in and more people that were a little bit shy about kind of making that jump. Never thought about that. It's almost like McDonald's. I don't want to be seen going into a McDonald's, but <laughs> if I drive through real quick, it's fine. But I drive a Valiant truck, so <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> they're going to s- see you coming a mile away. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, you can go in and you get your number one meal and, and kind of, you know, leave and no one really knows that you got your uh, double quarter pounder with cheese, no onion, whatever it is that you like to order. I would never order that. That's not what I order, but right. it's different. Chicken nuggets. The 30 piece. Perfect. So, uh, building off of the, mm-hmm. build off the drive through scenario, mm-hmm. is there any particular build, again, same thing with site selection, is there any particular building that you like to work on when it comes to a dispensary? Um, parking. You, parking's a big deal? Parking. Yeah. If you can, if you can get ahead of the parking, I don't care where your site selection is, the first thing you need to do is think about parking and traffic patterns. And I know that's not really architectural, but the other piece that, so, to backtrack a little bit, you'd mentioned why do you want to hire us as an architect? So some of the things that I'm going to be able to bring that are intangible is just I've presented in front of so many different boards, different townships, different cities. I know what they're looking for at this point. I know the pain points and I know what you're going to have to actually address. So kind of looking forward into that future, I know when I'm, when I'm addressing and making site selections for cultivation or for dispensary in this case, what's actually important. So I'd say parking, traffic pattern, super important because we're, we're going to have that as an issue and people are going to question it. So you're more than just an architect. You almost advise a client on one site selection, two, when you go to the town meetings, you know what they're looking for, you know how to push the, the dispensary through to make sure it gets approved. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't guarantee it's going to get approved, obviously, yeah. but yeah, I do actually, for some reason, uh, my, my wife thinks I'm crazy, but I do enjoy going to those meetings. I like the puzzle. I like the, the human aspect of it. I like the presentation and actually, um, you know, trying to move a product through uh, a project through um, on the town level. So that piece is super important as well. Um, but yeah, so as an overall, we're architects. Also gives you an excuse to get out of the house. That's yes, kind of, exactly. Yeah. 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 Get Hang out with a bunch of other people that's in the town. <laughs> let, me, let me talk. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that part of it is, is critical for the success. So um, I think that's, that's a really good point. 
Is there a project that you're most proud of? Is there anything that you've that you've built and that you say that's mine? You want to put on your wall? You you want to put your name on it? I know there's a lot of NDAs in the uh, in the industry, and it's very difficult to yeah. say which one it is. But is there a project that you're most proud of? Um, I would say I'm really proud of pretty much a lot of our you know all of our work. I'm like a proud dad when it comes to the design the design projects out there. But I would say one of the ones that I think was um, most interesting or most exciting for me was when cannabis was legalized recreationally in Massachusetts. Um, we were able to be a part of the design for the first uh, rec, well there was two, but we were one of two um, up in Northampton, it opened up. And we get to see all over the news, the coverage, I got to see videotape of what we designed in our dispensary, saw people lining up. I remember seeing one guy crying, he was so excited that this was happening in Massachusetts. So. It was fun to be a part of that, um, and yeah, as an architect, that's that's the best part of my job. We get to drive by and say, "Hey, we did that." So, um, I would say that's something I'm super proud of. Um, and then there's some other cool projects. You know, we've got some dispensary in Vegas we're working on. I think that's really fun. Um, so the travel piece is really exciting as well, seeing different cities and towns. Well, speaking about travel, mm -hmm. so this is one thing that we've always had a, a weird situation because we're never really we're part of the design process where we help you out and and you we go back and forth and mm -hmm. give each other advice on how to mitigate the change orders but the initial design how does where do you get your ideas from um do you travel to europe do you go to different uh, seriously do you yeah. do you go to different places and do you do you take those designs how do you keep up with the new up-and-coming trends because mm -hmm. what you build today has got to be sustainable for the next five to ten years mm -hmm. if you build something that's in the trends that's today it might not be as cool five years from now. Yeah, so the nice part about um, the cannabis retail side of it is it is in, indeed retail. We're selling a different product and there's some security measures that are additional to it and flow that's really important that we, we've really got down pat. Um, we do go out every year, we go out to the cannabis convention in Vegas, um, so we get to see a lot of the emerging technologies, the different you know things that people are looking for, different displays, different point of sales. Um, you know, we've we've been able to kind of harness those skills or those those tools and then implement those into our um, you know our designs. So I've got a fantastic interior design team. Um, so they're able to actually you know, produce and, and come up with the designs, but they all start with concepts. Um, so a lot of it's about an interview process. So none of our designs just come kind of from our head and get put on paper. They always start with conversations. So those conversations that we have with clients about what they're looking to accomplish, you know, what their branding is, what their image is, et cetera. Those are all important indicators so that we can arrive at a design that actually displays what they're trying to kind of evoke as an emotion or a look or feel. Um, does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So obviously this is a cannabis cultivation and dispensary podcast to, sure. tell, you, to tell you about that stuff. but. Yeah. You have a whole other aspect of your business where you do residential, you do schools, and you do just regular commercial and industrial facilities. Yep. Do you have a favorite? Is the cannabis industry, is that your niche market and your favorite, or is there something different? Um, it's funny. So when we first started the business, um, I would say probably 60 to 70% of our, our actual uh, business was residential, single family, two family, you know, renovations, additions, new construction. Um, and I've never let go of that piece. Um, I really do enjoy that part of architecture. It's, it's very intimate. Uh, you get to actually see how you affect and change families' lives. You get to work directly with people. Um, and there is, it's, it's a bit quicker too. So the other part too is you're able to see those results a lot faster. Uh, you know, a single family residence, you know, add an addition off the back, a porch, a deck, et cetera. But 
the fun parts about that is obviously the people you get to meet and then also everybody lives in a house so I'm sure you have a, an idea in your head what what your dream home is and I'm sure I'd have an idea of what mine is but I get to kind of play with that every day and I get to implement my own experiences in my own home and other people's homes and works. and kind of see what works what doesn't and then I'm able to kind of give a lot of that insight to people who don't do that every day so as much as it's their home there's simple moves that we can do that they don't even realize like just a relabeling like hey that's not your dining room anymore this is going to be your office or you know people go well that's been my dining room for 20 years I'm like well I've been here 20 minutes it can be your office and they you know it's it's simple stuff like that it's not always moving a wall um, but yeah so that I think residential I still love it's near and dear to my heart um, on that piece uh, not to be cheesy but I, I love that piece of it uh, additionally we do quite a bit of corporate architecture for uh, offices manufacturing um, and I love doing that as well because uh, that's that's similar you're moving puzzle pieces around where people are adjacencies this team needs to work with this team so I really enjoy that piece of it now we appreciate you coming on the pod podcast today it's been very informative um, if anybody has any questions or any have any ideas that you want to run by Dennis or any questions about uh, their cannabis cultivation facility dispensary or even now their residential homes sure yeah. um, reach out to Dennis Caldwell architects uh, you can reach out to us as well at Valiant Group um, we can handle the construction aspect of it uh, if there's anything else that you guys want is there any contact information is there anybody that yeah I mean, you to? can always visit our website it's um, dc-architects.com or if you're in a pinch you can google search Dennis architect and you'll probably find us uh, additionally, if you want to give us a call, we're 508-241-2122, and we're located right in Foxborough, so we're pretty easy to access, and um, we're always willing to help you out. So initial consults are always free. We'd love to chat with you, talk to you about what you're looking to accomplish, and then kind of come up with a game plan from there. Well, again, you can always reach out to us at valiant-america.com. You can look us up on Instagram at Valiant America, and contact us at either, either one of the sites. Thank you. Thanks for having me.